Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleep and rivalry in baseball. Co-hosted by Patrick covering the Boston Red Sox and myself covering the New York Yankees. Remember, you could follow us on Twitter slash X at Talking Rivals. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Trotty. You can follow myself at CP7NY. And you can also find our podcast wherever you find your podcast at Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon and iHeartRadio. And you can also find us at sportswireradio.org. And you can follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce, at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the scheduling for all the other great shows other than ours that are on there. So, Patrick, hot stove finally heating up. Yeah, with the winter meeting starting, what was it, yesterday? Um, in Nashville, I think. Um, or no, is it Nashville or Orlando? Uh, Nashville. You were Nashville. Right. Okay. So it's this week with the winter meeting. So I figure a lot of teams are going to start talking and figuring out trades and signings and whatnot. And a couple of, couple of moves so far, some more players, some foreign players posted. But for our teams right now, it's just rumors. It's all just seeing what's out there and seeing who's available. I know, I know with you guys, with the Yankees, the big news is the Soto kind of the stalling of the Soto trade. Yeah. I, I think because, you know, the Padres are asking for the moon right now, um, like seven players and they want us to take Grisham along with them. Who's garbage. You know, that's not the guy we need right now. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think once, once they figure out a, you know, somewhere in the me- in the middle of what they're asking for, obviously, you know, I think it's seven players, uh, four pay- four pitchers, I think, or five pitchers. Um, I-, I think that's a lot. Listen, we we are deep with young pitching in the farm system, so yeah, we can give up three, four of them. But you know, you're talking if about you give up, if you give up four pitchers, chances are one or two of them, one of them is going to turn into something pretty good. You would I think- know you're getting Soto back, but one year of Soto, mm. seven is a lot. I think it's uh, – yeah, I, I think it's too much. It, this is not – and I love Soto. I'm not putting him down whatsoever. I think he's – not that I think. He knows. I know he's one of the best hitters in all of baseball. He's young. So, yeah, and plus you got that one year to basically wine and dine this guy and show him what the Yankees are about, the you know, the organization, the area, all that stuff. So – that's what you're paying for, but that's a lot for one guy uh, for one year. So, and he's basically, you know, you hate to say it, but he's more or less a one dimensional player. I mean, this guy's not a great fielder, you know, he's probably below average. So, and he's only a left fielder, maybe a right fielder that, that, you know, so you're not getting a, you know, a Mookie Betts type player who's going to give you, you know, plus defensive player plays all over the place and the great hitter, you know? So, um, I, I still want him, and I still think the Yankees need to get him, obviously. Um, but that seems like a lot, and that's why I, the you know, these talks have quieted down. But I'm sure they're going to heat up again because, listen, if this if this uh, request goes to another team, like now they're saying the Blue Jays are in, and they're the favorite or one of the favorites now to get him, you know, what are they going to ask for Toronto, you know, from Toronto in, in this kind of a deal? You know, I heard Manoa. We've seen what Manoa became this past year. So, 
that's a kind of a throw-in guy more than a, a headline. Yeah, let's just take a flyer. Yeah. So, I you know what? I, in this situation, yeah, I hope that they kind of put it on, not put it on hold, but yeah, you, you got to come down with that, with that offer. The pod, you know, the Padres have to come down. The Yankees, you know, they'll meet somewhere in the middle, I would assume, if it keeps going. But the Yankees can't just say, okay, it's all, we're all in for Soto. And if this doesn't work out, then what? You know, they can't do that. They have to be in on Bellinger because you can't, you can't get out of this offseason without one of those two guys. That's in my mind. You know, Yankees got to get Soto or Bellinger. No doubt about it. So if you're not going to get Soto, you better make sure you're in on Bellinger and start talking to him and, you know what I mean, and seem interested in getting him. That's that. That's my, you know, my opinion with this, with these two guys. Yeah, I, I think, I think they'll they'll kind of try to use uh, Toronto as leverage for the Yankees, and then come back to the Yankees. And I, I think if San Diego comes back to the Yankees and asks to re-engage, that's a sign that they're not getting enough from Toronto. And eventually, I think, like you said, they'll find a middle ground. Um, what about the guy that was posted yesterday, Lee? The, the Korean, the MVP? Yeah. He's a lefty bat. I'm not sure how great he is defensively, but I know he plays center. Mm. So that might be a third option. Yeah, no, and, and they're supposedly interested in him as well. So I, I think that's good that they're interested in him and because he's a guy that you need to, right? No matter what, you, you got to come out in, you know, in this offseason with it, probably at least two outfielders. And one of them better be one of the big name guys. And I'm not even yeah. into Lee. I'm talking about Soto or Bellinger because you need that offensive force that we don't have, especially from the left-handed side. And Soto and Bellinger fit that. Uh, I think Lee's a left-handed hitter as well. Yeah. I just don't think he has the power that these two guys have. So, yeah, I think he had, I think they compare him to um, Yoshida because they had similar stats two years ago in the league. Oh, okay. Well, that's so it's good. more of uh, on base. Mm-hmm. High average, like fifteen to twenty home runs, which is exactly what they need. They need on base guys, and all these guys we're talking about are definitely that that type of player. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely think they sh- they should be in on them. Um, if they get one, I the one thing I'm curious to see is if they do get Bellinger or Soto, because I don't think they're going to get both, obviously. But if they get one, what's their next move for the outfield? Do they go? Do they keep going for Lee? and see where those talks go? Or do they go for a guy like Kiermaier? Or do they go even lower? I want to say lower, but a, the next tier down, say for a Michael Taylor. What do you yeah. think? I mean, if you got, obviously, if you get one of the two big names, like Soto or Bellinger, then you could get somebody like Taylor or Kiermaier, like you said. I think if they get one of the two big outfielder names, they kind of pivot and focus on pitching. Yeah. And then they, they don't, they don't, they can't wait. And, you know, it's not like you're picking up a, a nothing of a player, but at right. the end, towards the end of the off season, guys like Michael Taylor and Kiermaier, some of them will still be available to sign. Right. So I think, I think Taylor would fit. Kiermaier's glove would play anywhere. So yeah, it's just about him staying healthy. 
Right. I was going to say, Kiermaier is more of a guy that you know is going to probably miss games. But, um, yeah, definitely great glove in center field. So is Taylor. Taylor's a very good center fielder, been around. So I would not mind him being that guy, the bridge to – you hate to use that word, but the bridge to uh, Dominguez when he returns, which, you know, probably after the All-Star break. I know a lot of people are saying maybe even earlier, but I don't think they're going to rush him back. And it's – you know, you always compare it to the Harper situation last year where he came back much sooner than everybody expected, but he also DH'd in the beginning, and then he went to first base. So he was, you're not talking about a guy who's playing center field. Uh, so it's a different situation with Harper, and they had a spot for DH there. We don't. You know, we, we're stuck with Stanton, sadly. You know, no matter what we look at it, he's probably going to play most of his games at DH if we're lucky, right? For lucky, he plays some games in the outfield, but um, that's why I don't think they're going to rush him back um, with Stanton here and even Judge. You know, Judge got to play a lot of DH too. You know, can keep him out there all the time too. So, um, but yeah, I it's going to be interesting what they do next. Like, what's their what's their second move? And I I think that leads to Yamamoto, obviously, because they're big with him. They're big on him, but so is probably mostly every team, including Boston. What have you heard about Yamamoto connected with Boston at all? Um, I keep on hearing that the, the Red Sox don't want to, they obviously are in on Yamamoto, but they prefer to get a top line starter that didn't have the qualifying offer attached to him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that extends to foreign pitchers. Do they consider the posting fee like a qualifying offer? Do they just not want to give up the draft pick? Would they mind paying the extra money, the posting fee? I think with the Yamamoto, they would not mind at all. Um, I, I keep thinking, though, they're going to get Jordan Montgomery. For some reason, Jordan Montgomery is training right now in New England. I don't know why, because I thought he was from down south. But he's training in the New England area, uh, I think at Boston College in the offseason. He doesn't have a qualifying offer attached to him. There's no posting fee. He's done it before in the AL East. He's a lefty. I know he's not as I don't. I'm not saying Yamamoto is not good. Yamamoto, I think, is going to be a. I think he's going to be a great pitcher in the major leagues. I, I'm just not sure if that price tag doesn't not scare off Boston, but if they don't like, I originally went into the offseason thinking. If you're going to pay all told posting fee and contract 250 for Yamamoto, and it could be more with the posting fee, say you take that 250 and you kind of spread it out to two pitchers, right? Because if Yamamoto gets hurt, then you're right back to square one. And I know injuries happen to there's no rhyme or reason to injuries, but I'm thinking more. You get somebody like a Montgomery. See if you can get a Montgomery or Rodriguez or maybe trade for Dylan Cease. I would I would explore everything. I would definitely still stay in on Yamamoto because like like you said, probably half the league is in on him right now. But those teams, some of the teams on the kind of on the edges of it are just doing their due diligence. I would say Yamamoto would probably go to the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox on the East Coast, and then 
you know, a couple teams on the West Coast, obviously, like the Dodgers, the Giants, maybe the Mariners. But uh, I'm trying to think other teams than that. Obviously, a lot of teams would want him. It's just a matter of where he would fit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, I see Jordan Montgomery as the fit for the Red Sox. And then yeah. kind of getting a secondary, you know, second-tier type of free agent or maybe a trade. Because they they keep on saying that it's weird. The, the Red Sox are saying that they don't, or at least the rumors are, they don't want to uh, give up the draft pick attached to somebody that declined the qualifying offer right. for a free agent, but that they're willing to trade some of their prospects <laughs> for like a long-term controlled um, pitcher. Right. So that's kind of, I don't know. It's like different sides of the same coin almost. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? Montgomery makes a lot of sense for Boston because he's proven, he's a proven, you know, pitcher in, in the AL East. He's proven in the playoffs as well. The, my only problem with Montgomery is that he's going to get paid a lot of money. And he, you know, he's earned it. He deserves it. But where do you slot him in the right. rotation? You know, like, I, don't I, I don't think he's, in, I don't think you can say he's an ace. No, definitely. I no. don't think he's an ace either. No, I think he's a good number two. Um, is that what Boston needs? You always need good pitching, but <laughs> does Boston need uh, an alpha, an ace, a guy that can just, you can just put him out there and you know, he's going to stop a losing streak. Yeah, they need that. I think you can make the argument they need two. They need an ace to kind of go against the Coles and all those type of pitchers. And they also need an innings-eating, dependable, like middle of the rotation. So maybe instead of getting Montgomery, they go for Yamamoto or Snell. I would classify Yamamoto as the top one. But then I would say right below him is Snell. And then after that is guys like Montgomery. To a lesser extent, they could bring back Eduardo Rodriguez. But as long as you're telling me, it goes back to what I said last episode, where it's not just the money it's that's attached to these players. It's what you're asking them to be when you get them on your team. Right. Like if you get a good deal for Eduardo Rodriguez, he's proven it in Boston, and that's great. And he's a lefty. And if it's on a good deal, that's fine. But if you're asking him to be the ace, then I think they're out of their mind. Right. If you're asking him to be the number three starter, that's that's great. I think that's – sign me up for that. So yeah. Montgomery cannot be the only starting pitcher they add this offseason. Uh, and he might be overpaid a little bit this, this offseason. But, you know, like you said, he earned it from the playoffs, so – the, the guy that I'm really kind of hot and cold about is Blake Snell. So I was watching MLB Tonight with Brian Kenny, and going into it, I was like, you know what, Blake Snell, easily give him $200 million, give him six years. I know he's a little older than Yamamoto, but sign me up if he has. He's had two Cy Youngs, and then Brian Kenny started talking me out of it. He, within about 20 minutes, uh, 10 minute segment and then commercial and then another segment. And I was like, nah, I'm good with snow. He, uh, hmm. I, I think he averages 130 or no, 150 innings. 
in his career. And over his last six seasons, he's had the two Cy Young seasons, but the other seasons were not great. Right. And if you sign somebody to a seven-year deal, look look what he did last year. He had a great year, Cy Young, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So you never know. For me, if you sign a guy for $200 million, a long-term deal, you got to get a championship out of him. And a Cy Young, there's no there's no guarantee that the Cy Young season comes during a season when you're competing for a championship. Right. So long long answer to that question, I would still be in on Yamamoto, but what they do and what I would do is a little different. So I think they're going to get outpriced for Yamamoto and they'll end up with a couple of not even secondary, just just slightly below Yamamoto. And you know what? Just to add to your story quickly before we continue with Yamamoto, with Snell, other than his two Cy Young seasons, he's never won more than eight games in a season. Yeah. And in other than the two Cy Young seasons, he's never started more than 27 games in a season. Yeah, I think he's only pitched over 150 innings twice. Yeah, the Cy Young seasons. That's it. Yeah. And even then... Yeah. I don't think he's pitched 200 innings. No, the highest was his first Cy Young. He pitched 180 and two thirds. This yeah. year, he pitched 180 even. So if you make 30 starts in a year, quick math, it's six innings a start. Right. Um, and two and the two years he won Cy Young, he led the league in ERA plus, uh, hits per nine. This year, winning the Cy Young, he also led the league in walks with 99. Yeah, I think he had like, uh, I want to say about a thirteen percent walk rate. Mm-hmm. So it's, he, I think he also led the league in left on base percentage, which is a new stat that I really like. It's pretty simple. It's how many how the percentage of batters that you left on base. Right. So if you put that together with the with the walks and hits per innings pitched, <clears throat> obviously you don't want to have people on base, but if you can strand them, that's a great thing. So if Snell if Snell somehow comes with a five-year deal, yeah. But I think he's going to get seven for over 200. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm, I'm with you. I would not, I, I would not want to chase this guy. Yeah, if you're, if you're going to pay 210, like 30 a year for Snell, it's not my money, but what's another 30 or 40 for Yamamoto? Right. You know, That's, younger, a little more durable, has similar awards in it. I know it's a different league. It's in the foreign league, but it's coming over. He's like five years younger. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know if, I, I think, not that Boston isn't going to spend money this offseason. I just don't know if they're going right, to go all out for a big name. I think they're going to kind of pick and choose where they want to get their, where they want to allocate their money. And you know what? If if you're if you're a war guy, right? With with Ian Snell, in his two years he won the Cy Young, seven point one his first year, six point zero this year. Both led uh, baseball. In his other years with War, it was 1.4, and two point one. Yeah, if you get a one War pitcher and you're paying thirty million dollars a year, there you go. I I don't know. That's, that's that's not that's not going to cut it. And he's on the other side of 30 now, right? He's going to be 31. 
Yeah. Not that that's old, but remember, you're paying a guy now from 31 to if he's seven, eight years, you're talking 31 to 38. Yeah. How many of these Cy Young seasons you think you're going to get out of this guy when he hasn't shown that he's, you know, could do this consistently? He's only done it two years. Yeah, it's not the it's not the talent that I'm questioning. It's more just the consistency. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. And listen, Yamamoto, I think uh, Morosi said it this morning on MLB Network. He's going to get the second most uh, money per season of any player in baseball this year in free agency. Wow. So, all right, he's not going to get the 50 or who knows 60 right. million that Otani's going to get. But this means he's going to get close to $40 million a season when you think about it. Because and what's the posting fee? Better. Another like 20 or 30 million? Yeah, I think that's not even, it's not even like, I, I don't even, I don't think teams are worried about that. Okay. Like, yeah. Right. If you're the Yankees, Mets, Boston, San Fran, the Dodgers, if you're even Cubs, maybe, if you're any of those teams, are you really concerned about another yeah. 30, 40 million? So could he possibly get 300 million? I think so. I think easily. It, Seven for 280 and then the posting more. fee. Remember, he's only 25. Yeah. Right? So I would, if you believe in him that much, and obviously, you know, I'm not a scout or anything, but this guy, is, they are, they're saying he's the best pitcher to ever come out of, out of Japan. So imagine getting, so imagine, he, Otani hasn't accomplished what he's accomplished. Tanaka. Tanaka, any of these guys. So now you're getting him at 25 years old, and he's already accomplished more than any of these guys already. And you're uh, <laughs> to bring it back to what I said before. You're you're not ask if he goes to the Yankees, you're not asking him to be the number one, right? At least not for a couple of years. Yeah, not for a, at least a year or two, right. if not more. So and then even then, you still have Rodon. So it would be like a right now he would he would come in and be like the Robin to Batman. Right. Cole. And there would still, I think, there would still be just as much pressure on Rodon next year as Yamamata. Right. Exactly. And if you compare that with other teams, with the Mets, the Mets are very desperate for pitching. So they're yes. going to go all out for him, right? And there, there's going to be more pressure for him to perform. Boston, yep. you guys need an ace, right? Yep. And Sam Fran I really think what Boston's going to do is make a trade with a team like with the Mariners, with what we saw they did yesterday, trading away Jared Kelenic. Now they need another outfielder. Oh, maybe Verdugo. And I think a guy like Verdugo and a prospect or two, and you can hope that maybe more than that, and you hopefully bring back a controllable arm like Kirby. Mm. That would cost more than just Verdugo and a prospect, but yeah, probably a couple of them. So. Yeah, I think I there's going to be a trade and a sign for Boston to fill the pitching. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think if, if the Yankees lose out on Yamamoto, that might happen too, because I don't think they're going to be in on Snell. That doesn't seem like – I would think they'll be more on, more in on Montgomery before they're in on Snell. Um, and will Montgomery want to come back to the Yankees? That's a whole other thing. I don't know. But I, I don't know. Snell – Snell's going to get his money somewhere. I'm just yeah. curious where. Like maybe San Fran gets him. The San Fran. San Fran. I could see even a team like the Cubs. Right. How about the Dodgers? The Dodgers definitely need to fill some of those starting spots. 
if the you know what if the Dodgers this would scare me if the Dodgers who have the money number one obviously and number two have the need at pitching if they don't go after Snell I'm not saying if they sign him or not but if they don't if you don't hear their name interested in yeah Snell, that that's a that's a red flag right I would stay away from me and Snell um Blake Snell to be honest yeah that's, that's my opinion but um, he'll definitely get his money somewhere it's just a matter of what fit yeah. what team where he goes specifically but yeah i can see chicago i could i wouldn't rule out him going back to san diego possibly but they pay they're they're looking to cut you know they are looking to cut money but if they trade soto yeah that's like 30 million i think right he was he's gonna get this year with arbitration i think yeah i i personally wouldn't want to get rid of soto and bring back snell but no no (laughs) yeah but to each his own right right <laughs> yeah and like i mentioned the the braves and the mariners that trade what did you think of that trade i i from the brave standpoint i love it um from the mariners they're dumping salary it looks like and i think i just read that the braves are going to now look to trade marco gonzalez which is no big you know you know him he's like a four or five starter at best anyway but um to me from the seattle side they're dumping money so that opens up the question, what are they going to be in on? Like you right. said, now they need outfielders because they didn't bring back uh, Hernandez either. So both corner spots, I think, are open now, right? Um, Yeah, he's a free open. agent. And Kalanick was one of their outfielders. So, yeah, all I mean, quote-unquote, all they have is Julio Rodriguez. Right. But, a good start. But, right. but Yeah, you um, need corner guys, though. Yeah, you need a couple of guys out there to help. Right, Julio is, is great. As great as he is, he can't cover three positions. So and uh, and and remember, they traded Suarez too. Yeah, so they're freeing up. So are they are they cutting salary to sign a big name free agent, or are they gonna kind of make a couple more trades? And I wonder. I still wonder if Otani is going to be the first huge name off the like the biggest name off the board. Obviously. Is he going to go before Snell and before Montgomery? Or is it going to be a couple more dribs and drabs of smaller contracts and then Otani gets in there? Right. That Yeah, it's going to be – I think the Mariners are an interesting team now um, because we know the big name, big name teams, right, the big market teams, Yankees, Mets, uh, Boston, the Dodgers, San Fran, Cubs we mentioned too. They're all going to be in on stuff. Toronto, you've heard now, is in on Otani as well. But I think you got to include Seattle and all these big big players now because they're freeing up cash. Yeah. Their active payroll is $89 million. How is that possible? <laughs> oh, their, their payroll now is, I'm sorry, is 140-something with the arbitration and everything added in. Right. Still, not that much. And I know they have to replace a couple of guys here, but. Right. They got the, and they got the arms for the rotation, young and yeah. old. You got Robbie. They have, to, they have to get a couple of outfielders, uh, replace Suarez, I think, with somebody, but they do have a lot of controllable pitching. I mean, I, I still see San Francisco as the team that outbids somebody for one of these big names. 
yeah. because they missed out on Judge and Correa last year. So they're, they're going to be, I think they're itching to make a big move. Yeah, I could see it. They got thing. They got the young, controllable pitching, which is something all play all teams covet, right? So they definitely got the trade pieces, and now they got the cap space. And sell, you know the. So, yeah, I, I think Seattle's going to be big with somebody. Um, they're already making the moves, so yeah, I could see them coming in late with on Yamamoto or even Otani. But I could and, definitely see them with the trades as well. And the Mariners apparently were talking to the Rays about Randy Arozarena, mm -hmm. what that would cost. Obviously, that would be a nice fit because the Rays, you know, are always looking to cut salary. But like we've said, if you're talking to the Rays about a trade, be very careful. Right. <laughs> we've because said that. They, will, they will take somebody from your team and turn them into – the next great pitcher. So, yep. And, and then other trade rumors. It looks like I, I kept on thinking that it was going to be a done deal. Dylan Cease to the Dodgers. It was just a matter of what they were getting back. Yeah. But it looks like the Braves and the Orioles are also in on him. So it doesn't surprise me that other teams are in on him because he's a great pitcher. Kind of had a down year last year, but he's controlled for a couple of years, I think. Um, yeah. It's just surprising that the Dodgers haven't kind of scooped them up yet to finish the deal. Yeah. And and you know what? The Braves do need pitching as much as yep. you know, if that's a spot that that would be the because they are coming back with. We mentioned Charlie Morton already. You mentioned and you got Spencer Strider, Max Fried, we mentioned, but he's only got one more year left. So after that, it's kind of, um, you know, a mixed bag of of guys. So. I could see them going big for C's. It's just that how many of these minor league, you know, how many of these prospects do they have? You know what I mean? To make all these moves. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And now with Kellenick, I guess it's going to be Kellenick and Vaughn Grissom fighting it out for the left left field spot. Maybe the loser of that gets traded at the end of, you know, during spring training for a pitcher. Right. But yeah, I, I think it's amazing that the Braves are, but you, you as a Braves fan, you got to love it too because they just they just keep adding and adding, and not just adding, but once they add them, they sign them to long term deals, right? All these guys are signed for on long term deals, so and that's why you heard their name now, interested in Otani, right? Because that there's that need where yeah, another bat like yeah, like they need another big left handed bat on that team, but he could be pitching next season. And that could be your replacement for, let's say, Charlie Morton if he goes. Yeah. So it's it's unbelievable. So I think and, I, I think a lot of things are going to change once Otani signs, if he does sign with the Yeah, team. I just saw where it said he's expected to make his decision within the next week. I mean, I guess, but I I think you sent it to me where it said that he could he's gotten multiple five hundred million dollar offers on the table. So it could get up to six hundred million. That's I you know what? I always say with money, the money you can't even think about anymore. Yeah. And right? You just it's not even it doesn't make sense. You know, it's almost play money. You can't even you can't even think about it. Like that's like do not collect pass go, just <laughs> monopoly money. 
that's what it is. It that's you were talking six hundred million dollars. That's just un. It, it, it's unthinkable. Uh, I, I can't even think about that kind of money for a baseball player. But here we are, you know. And Otani, and he's what is he thirty one? What how old is he now? Twenty nine, thirty. Um, good question. He is. He's twenty nine right now. So he yeah, turned he won't he won't be thirty until like the All Star break. Right. So I, you know what? And he's probably going to be a DH mostly for that contract. When you think about it, is he going to be yeah. able to pitch like he has been the last couple of seasons? You know, he's not going to pitch this season. I think for a couple of years he's going to pitch, but then I think eventually he's going to say, "All right, I'm just going to concentrate on hitting." But then he's going to be a great hitter. I mean, you know, last year he hit 304. And he also, you know, what surprised me? He <laughs> He also threw in just for good measure twenty steals this year. Wow! Because you never think of him as a big base runner. No, but yeah, I mean, forty-four home runs this year, thirty-four the year before, forty-six the year before. Two out of the last three years, MVPs. Um, that's just offensively. This year he led the league in on base slugging. OPS, OPS plus, total bases. I mean, even if he is just a DH, he's still going to be this type of hitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it just the money's going to be ridiculous. And it's just a matter of where it's really coming down to where he wants to be. Because I'm sure if, let's say, the Dodgers offer him the $600 million, let's we'll keep it simple 10 years, $600 million. I'm sure if he goes back to, and if he really wants to play for another team, he'll go back to San Fran or the Cubs or Toronto or even Boston. I don't think Boston's in it now, but if he'll go back there and say, listen, I really want to play here, but you got to come close to 600 million. Right. They get there, you know, so all it takes is that one team to say, I really want you to be here, <laughs> you know, 10 years, yeah. 600 million. So it's incredible. He'll get it. He'll get it. Yeah. And speaking of crazy money, it's – I guess this is a record set for the Milwaukee Brewers sign their top prospect, Jackson Chirillo, to an eight-year contract. It's the most money given to a player that hasn't played in the big leagues yet. The previous record was Luis Robert Jr. Got six years, $50 million. This could turn out with two club options to be 10 years, 142 million. Wow. So right now it's eight years for 82 million for a 19 year old prospect that got into, let's see. He had 122 games in double A and he had six appearances at triple A. That's, um, (laughs) look, he's the number two prospect in all baseball, Mm -hmm. but. For a team like the Brewers, where they are financially, I think it makes a lot of sense. You got to sign these big prospects. You got to kind of buy out their contract, their um, their first six years of control, and add on a couple to the free agent. Where he would be, you're basically spending more at the start of the contract, but you're kind of saving it towards the end. If that makes sense, right. Because he would be a free agent like halfway through this contract. And if he turns out to be as good as they think he's going to be, 
that second contract would be that free agent contract. He would be a free agent at the age of 25. Hmm. So 25, maybe 26 at the most. Right. So say he, if he's the number two prospect in all baseball, that means you're talking about he's the next Julio Rodriguez. He's the next Ronald Cunha Jr. That's Juan Soto. Imagine one of those guys hitting free agency at 25 or 26, like Soto next year. That's basically what it is. I mean, yeah. So they're basically counting on that and giving him, it's a lot of money to give a guy that hasn't played in the big leagues yet. But if it works out, I mean, they said, we're extremely excited to make this commitment to a player. And we believe he's a generational talent has all the tools to be the face of our franchise that's a great quote but it's also i would read between the lines if i'm already on the brewers if i'm christian christian yelich if i'm yeah if i'm christian yelich i'm thinking to myself well wait a second i thought i was the face of the franchise right (laughs) i guess not okay here's what this kid did this past year in double a and triple a he got 22 home runs, 91 RBIs, um, 44 stolen bases, 282 batting average, 338 on base, 467 slug, and 805 OPS. And that was only in, I think, less than 130 games. Yeah, combined. Yeah. 128 games combined. Double. It was mostly double A. Double A. Yeah. 122 triple a was only six games um so yeah i mean like you said exactly he's the next julio rodriguez the next acuna that's what they're they're, you know they're banking on he's a center fielder he's gonna steal a bunch of bases they're hoping 30 30 right 40 40 (laughs) yeah no no pressure kid um yeah none at all (laughs) at 19 yeah we expect you to be 30 30 next year like julio rodriguez um, which is not a problem, but, uh, yeah, I, and I, listen, if you believe in a kid that much, sure. Why not? And like you said, because of payroll constraints in, in Milwaukee, I think you gotta, you gotta gamble. I yeah. Mean, you gotta get out in front of that contract because those first six years, yeah, you're, you're giving him the rookie contract and then he hits arbitration and gets bumped up every year. So fans might look at the 82 million for the first eight years and think that's way too much. But after six years, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Right. So those next two years, you're not getting him. I mean, like I said, if he turns out to be the next star, when he hits free agency, you're looking at giving him like 10 years, 400 million. Right. Yeah. Easily. You hope you yeah so it's um it's more monopoly money but yeah but you know what listen and if you're going to gamble on a kid this is the the kid you want to gamble on right the number two prospect overall in baseball and you hope that he turns everyday player it's not just not saying that you wouldn't gamble on a pitcher but i know he's an everyday player so he can make contributions defensively on the bases hitting home runs so We'll see how it works out for him, but he's going to be—he's going to be one of those huge question marks going into next year because they have uh, the other outfielder that's kind of a tier below him that came up last year, Sal Frelick. Um, they also 
are looking to shed some older salaries. Willie Adamas, some of their pitching maybe. So I guess I guess they're kind of turning the page and he is the face of the franchise now. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and they better hope he did, you know, he becomes that guy. Yeah. And then yesterday, I think it was yesterday, they announced um the first member of next year's Hall of Fame class, uh, uh Jim Leland, former longtime manager of the Pirates, Marlins, Tigers. I didn't realize he managed with the Rockies. Oh wow. Yeah, it says the Pirates, Marlins, Rockies, and Tigers. He got 15 out of the 16 votes from the committee members um, on the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee on Sunday, so yesterday. And for me, I'm not going to – it's hard. I don't want to say he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because it's he was a great manager. But if you look at his record, I 15 out of 16 votes makes it seem like, okay – he was in no doubt, put him in the Hall of Fame. Mm. He's only the fourth Hall of Famer to be inducted as a manager without ever having played in the major leagues. Wow. So he's on a short list, and I think his winning percentage is 506. Yeah, which is not great. It's not great, but again, he was there for 22 years. He won three pennants, a World Series. So I understand he won 700-plus games with Pittsburgh and Detroit. So I'm not saying he shouldn't be a Hall. I'm just saying I didn't think he was going to get in 15 out of 16 votes. I thought it was going to be one of those, like, right on the fringe, like 12 or 13. Yeah. I guess that's splitting hairs. but And you know what? When you look at Lupinella, Lupinella actually has more wins than him. And he got 12. No, he got 11 votes. He needed 12. Ugh. See, Pinella's got 1,835 career wins. And he played. Right. And he's got a 517 winning percentage next to Leland's 1769 and 506. The difference, a couple of differences, right? Playoff. Playoff, playoff wins. Yep. Leland's got 44. Pinella's got 23. Leland's got a 524 winning percentage in the playoffs. Pinella 460. They both only have one World Series, one, but Leland's got three pennants. Next yeah, to and he's one of eight managers to be named Manager of the Year in both leagues. He won it twice with the Pirates, won it once with the Tigers. I got a quick trivia question that brings up. Who okay. are – if he's the fourth Hall of Famer to be inducted as a manager without having played in the major leagues, who are the other three? Uh, one I've never heard of, and the other two are pretty big names. Little All ways. three I'm um, are from a little ways back. I would say all bef- all managed before my time. Okay, so all in like the seventies and back. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was think I was thinking Tony Larusa, but I guess he played. Oh yeah, he played as a player. Yep. I'll give you the one that I haven't heard. Frank Seeley. Okay. And then that leaves two. One was very combative with the umpires. Oh. 
kind of like a Billy Martin, but obviously Billy Martin played. So, oh, Earl Weaver. Yep. Okay. And the other one, I believe, is tied to your team. Season one. Um, tied to us. Not Casey Stengel. No, 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 no. No, he played. Yeah. But you're on the right track. Hmm. Oh, further back? What, McCarthy? Yeah. Joe McCarthy. Oh, yeah. okay. But uh, yeah, I have to look up Frank Seeley because apologies, I never heard of him. But Earl Weaver, I would have thought would have been a player back in the day. I could have seen, I could just see him playing with like you know those crazy named guys with the with the weird random nicknames back in like the thirties. But yeah, Casey Stengel played. Casey Stengel was. I think he was the one that hit a famous inside the park home run in the World Series. Probably in Polo Grounds, maybe. I think it was in nineteen. I think it was the twenty three World Series. It was it that far back? Yeah, because he was a manager in the forties and fifties, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was the nineteen. I don't know. 1923 inside the park home run in the World Series. But yeah. But my thing with Leland is he was a great manager for a couple of different teams. That Marlins team in 97, that was a great postseason run. Um I just feel bad for the guys like Pinella that missed it by one vote. Yeah, I think if Leland got in, that means Pinella's got to get in eventually. But then what happens with Cito Gaston? He won two titles, right? Right, but he didn't have the longevity. I don't True. Know, what else did he do? Yeah. Well, here's a little bit about Seeley. Um he managed Boston. Oh wow. Not okay. Red Sox, not the Red Sox. Just, the Braves. It just says Boston. And it's either the Boston Braves or I don't know what team this is, Boston. <laughs> Go on baseball reference. Oh the team, like here, 1890, you click the on Boston Bees. I guess it's just Boston. It just says Boston. Let's see. Boston baseball, 1890s. If you go to his page, he's the Boston Reds were a 19th century baseball team. Okay. And he never won a World Series either. Yeah, it just says Boston stats. Yeah. <laughs> That's their name, the statistics. He's five pennants, but no World Series. Um, yeah, this says 1890 Boston, and then the other one says 1890 Boston Reds with a different manager. Right. So maybe there's two Boston teams? I guess so. But, yeah, Frank Seeley, I'm looking up his page. Then he 100 went to, wins, but. Then it was the Boston Nationals in 1901. Wow. And then after that, he went to the Cubs. Oh, oh, excuse me. First two years, he he managed Chicago. Yeah, this is incredible. Some to me, I'm more of a small Hall of Fame guy. I know it's a museum, and you want to tell the story of the whole game. This guy managed, and look, he managed for a lot of years—sixteen total years. Frank Seeley. 
Right. Only one year did he win 100 games. Mm-hmm. Well, they that's were playing those games back then, too. So They were. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, I, no World Series, though. How many... How many guys are you going to put in the in the Hall of Fame that didn't win the World Series? Yeah, five pennants. Yeah. Like, are you going to play? Think about it. Buck Showalter's got much more wins than him, and are you putting Buck Showalter in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Right. Rocco Baldelli has more wins than him right now. Oh no, maybe not. <laughs> Frank Sealy managed the Boston Bean Eaters. Sure. <laughs> There you go. Sure. I think Joe Madden should go in if he goes in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I usually don't like the argument if, if if one guy gets in, what about this guy? Because that's yeah. kind of like a slippery slope. And yeah. But look, congratulations to Jim Leland. I'm not saying he sh- – I wouldn't like jump up and down saying he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, but I also wouldn't jump up and down saying he should. I, it's just one of those in the gray area. But I, I think, I guess, with the Veterans Committee, that makes sense. That's kind of the right place to vote on that, on right, those type of situations. Here's another way to look at um, Leland, right? He's 18th in career wins, right? The the guys that are above him in wins that aren't in the Hall of Fame, Dusty Baker, he's 7th. He's going to go yeah. in, right? Yeah. So Bruce Bochy is 10th. He's yeah. going. Terry Ray- Francona, 13th. He'll probably go in. Yeah, and somebody mentioned on MLB uh, Network, they kind of compared Leland to Francona. Um, okay, I'll put Francona a little bit higher, only because he, you know, a couple of World Series titles, and he won it with the Red Sox, you know, breaking the whole streak and all that. So I, I think I would put Francona a little bit higher, but yeah, he's right there, you know. Um, and the only guy above him that that's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, two guys, Pinella we mentioned, and Gene Mock. Okay, makes okay. sense. He was there twenty-seven years, so, um, yeah, I think um, I, I'm okay with it. But I think Pinella has to go in. If you're putting in Leland, I, to me, Pinella is right with him. In my mind, yes. So, you know, even Sosha is right there too. Sochi's yeah. right below. I think he's right below Lane with wins. Yeah, he's got – Sosha has 1,650 wins. Leland's got 1,769 wins. They both have the World Series. Um, but Sosha's only got the one one uh, pennant. Hmm. But he was in the playoffs seven times. Leland, eight times. Canella, hmm. seven times. Showed yeah. at him in there six times. So, um, but I did like what Leland said. I think it was right after he found out they had him on a, a conference call that night, I think. And he said, look, it's not really about me. It's more about if you're a manager that makes the hall of fame, that means you have great players. Yeah. And it's an obvious statement, but it's one that kind of gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's by all accounts, he was a player's manager and, he was a baseball lifer. He was a, uh, everybody that played for him loved him, that said anything about him. Um, and he did it for several franchises. So congrats. 
And you know what? Here's here's a question uh, Billy from the Sportswire Radio team, Billy McInery, brought up to me in our chat. Um, he had said, he goes, he doesn't think managers are recognized enough in the Hall of Fame. What do you, what do you think of that? Ooh. Um, so we're kind of like, you yeah, know. How many managers are in the Hall of Fame? Ooh, how many? Let's see. Managers in Cooperstown. Hall of Fame managers. He's the 23rd manager. That's it. So the first manager inducted was, I'm assuming, Connie Mack and John McGraw. Yeah, Connie Mack and John McGraw in 1937. Right. Then they went another 20 years without inducting anybody. That's, um. I guess you can go back and start to, I can see why guys like Frank Seeley were kind of cherry-picked after the fact, because you can't tell me that from 1957 and back before then, there was only three Hall of Fame managers. Right. right so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them, it, it makes sense. What Billy, Billy brings up a good point, because a lot of these guys, a lot of these managers are getting uh, put in the Hall of Fame well after their career is done more recently so it seems like recently it seems like oh there's a lot of managers going in but i mean before 2000 there's one two, five six yeah there was only there were seven seven managers now since 2000 have gone in so in the last 23 years, seven managers. That's why it seems like, oh, there's always these managers going in. But a lot of guys didn't get the recognition they deserve from their respective committees in their in their era. Right. A lot of it was veterans after the fact. Um, yeah, like I'm looking at some of these names and, you know, they're the who's who of the game. I mean, John McGraw, Joe McCarthy. Casey Stengel, Earl Weaver, Tony Larusa, Tommy Lasorda, Miller Huggins, and I mean, all the great ones. But I think you can make an argument that there should be more. Well, here's a you you know you you made an art you know you brought up Cito Gaston right. Here's all the names of guys that have won multiple World Series that are not in the Hall of Fame as a manager. Ralph yeah. Hoke, he won two. Yeah. Tom Kelly from the Twins, he won two. Yeah. Danny Murtaugh, he managed from 57 to 76. He's got two World Series wins. Um, <laughs> Candy Jim Taylor. There you go. From 1920 to 1947. Uh, two year, uh, two championships. Cito Gaston. Jim Muttry from 1883 to 1891. Uh, Bill Carrigan from 1913 to uh, Malarcher, Malarcher, uh, from 1926 to 1934. But those guys also had, you know, this guy, David Malarcher, who's got two World Series, but he's only got like 200 and something wins. Yeah. I was going to say, if you, if you haven't managed, I think you should have to manage for, there's no hard and fast rule, but 
in a sport like baseball, it's not like the NFL where you can just manage 10 years. Right. You know, have a shorter career. So it's tough. What they ask, I guess what Cooperstown asks of managers is really tough because you have to have longevity and you also have to be really good at the same time. And usually there's streaks in there in a manager's record where they kind of have a lull. They have a couple off years. They usually get fired. Right. You don't see a lot of life lifetime baseball managers anymore. Right. Exactly. Um, right. Even guys like Bruce Bochy have been fired multiple times. Right. Or at least let go and gone on to another franchise. And he's got four World Series now. And look at Dusty Baker. I mean, there were franchises that were saying, now we're okay. We don't want Dusty anymore because he can't win the big one. Right. <laughs> so, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I think. So, yeah, well, he's definitely because he's got two World Series and, you know, he's got a bunch of wins. You know, he's up there and wins. I think he's top 10. He's seventh in wins. It almost seems like for managers, maybe it wouldn't be just two rings. It would be like three or more is the equivalent to the NFL with Hall of Fame quarterbacks having multiple championships. Right. Starting. Multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. So, Well, look at Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox is one of the – he's fourth in career wins, but he's got one World Series championship. Yeah. Right? And we – we put him up there with, with all the greats, Leo DeRocha, another one. He's only got, yeah, one. I mean, with Bobby Cox, he was, he's an all-time manager for six out of the seven months of the year. If you think about it, you right. can't, you can't deny that he was a great manager. He was, he was always a, a very good to great manager in the regular season. And then the postseason, he didn't really have a bulk. I mean, you can only, you can only do what you got with what you got. So it is what it is. The postseason. Yeah. After a, I, I understand if you haven't won anything in the postseason, that's tough to get in the Hall of Fame. But um, once you win a title, if you've proven over twenty years that you can consistently win in the regular season, yeah. Dusty has a winning percentage in the postseason. Bobby Cox, as great as he was, he's got a losing record. John McGraw losing record in the postseason yeah some of the old-time managers like mcgraw and connie mack and all those like i said there's lulls in there where they had a bunch of losing seasons but they were yeah. there for like forever right so th that but that also opens it up like what what are the requirements to be inducted into the hall of fame as a manager is it the longevity it's is it the world series championships yeah combination of both i mean I would I would lean towards a combination of both. I think you'd want good to great longevity, like good to great record over the long haul and a couple of championships. I'm trying to look for the one with the most wins that are that's in the Hall of Fame but does not have a World Series. Um are there Hall of Famers without a World Series? I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clark Griffith from 1901 to 19. Well, the guy we talked about just a few minutes ago. Oh, right? yeah, duh. Mr. <laughs> Seeley. This guy, Clark 
I think Clark Griffith. What did I just say? Clark. Clark Griffith. He didn't win one. He was a player manager. Al Lopez, fifty-one to sixty-nine. He has none. And it's it might be comparable to what we're talking about with players going into Cooperstown now, because right. it's not the same game. You don't have if you're looking at contemporary managers, you don't have the longevity. You don't have the long leash that these older managers had. Um, sure, there are more games every year now than there were back in the Boston Bean Eaters Day. <laughs> and there's more teams, but you don't get as long a leash. So you're not going to be around for 20 years on one team. Right. And with modern players... You kept on saying, and it makes perfect sense, you know, these 300-win seasons, uh, careers for pitchers, they're not going to happen. Yeah. So I guess I guess you have to kind of lower the expectations a little bit for the Hall of Fame. I agree. And, and just put I, it into context for the modern game. Right. You hate to say lower. Yeah, it, it's right? it's a different type of game right now. Right. Just like I think in every sport, you could almost right. make that, you know. Just like you can say, you know, the guy was a prolific power hitter from the 1920s, not named Babe Ruth. Okay. He had 10 home runs a year. Right. Because <laughs> they were playing, because, you know, for Yankee fans, for young Yankee fans, imagine where Monument Park is. That was in play in the old Yankee Stadium. Right. <laughs> you would run into, you could run a Bobby Mercer could hit into one of the monuments and on the warning track of the old old Yankee Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's Just very- to put that in perspective. Yeah, and so that's that's where home runs went to die. <laughs> Just long fly balls. I mean, so some of these power numbers are different in different eras. So I guess it's not lowering expectations. It's more like you said. It's there's just there's reasons yeah no i i agree um and i think we're going to see guys going in you know in the next few years 5 10 15 years down the road that are not going to have 300 wins you know yeah. that are not going to have the big strikeout numbers that we we normally say okay he needs 300 wins and 3000 strikeouts those are not probably not going to be touched i mean you got uh the 3000 strikeouts obviously with Scherzer and Verlander and probably Kershaw, but three hundred wins—that's a—that's a thing of the past. Yeah. Uh, unless the game changes back to, you know, uh, pitchers getting thirty-five starts a game, um, and they go seven, eight innings, and the bullpen's not, you know, as important as it is now. Um, you're not going to see three hundred wins. You're just not. You you will be lucky to see two hundred wins for a pitcher. You know, that's why yeah. guy like Grinky. You know, when when you look at his career numbers, are you thinking, oh, that guy's a Hall of Famer? But at the end of the day, that's a Hall of Famer now. I think you know when you he's got almost three thousand strikeouts. He just missed, right? We're assuming he's not coming back. He's got twenty nine seventy nine Ks. He's got two hundred twenty five career wins. Um, he's got a Cy Young, six time All Star, six time Gold Glove, ERA title twice, two time Silver Slugger for a pitcher. So. That's if he's not Hall of Fame, he's borderline in our era. Yeah. 
Otherwise, who's going to go in? Right? Are they going to put Degrom in with his uh, Cy Youngs? Um, I don't think so. I don't think he gets in. He's a two-time no. Cy Young award, but I mean, he's got no. Jacob Degrom is if he gets in. No, he can't. He's thirty-five right now, and he's got yeah. 80, eighty-four career wins. If say he pitches. You say he finishes this contract out and wins a couple 20 win seasons. Oof. At the best, you're looking at what, like 125 wins? Yeah, he'd have to win like two more Cy Youngs. If he's a four-time Cy Young Award winner. Yeah. If he right. if he's like three or four-time Cy Young Award winner, then he is, to bring back to the NFL analogy, he's like the Gale Sayers. Yeah. So we're kind of like... Yeah, of like baseball. But... Uh, like no shot. I think I think you got to win about 200 games to get in. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's that's probably the new basement, you know, the new floor at least. Um, yeah, because Degrom, he'd have to have amazing, and he's 35, and he's coming off major surgery again. So listen, those two more Cy Youngs are most likely not going to happen. And we're also talking about Degrom. When you think about his career numbers. What's the most wins you think he's had in, in a season? 14? 15. Wow. The most wins he's had, 15, 14, 10, and 11. Every other year is single digits. So. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. But when this guy's healthy, he's, you know, like unhittable at times. He's almost... You can put him up there as the best pitcher in baseball when this kid, when this guy's healthy, but not enough, you know, just especially not the last three, four years, you know, and it's sad. Yeah, no, it's definitely. probably trending towards Hall of Fame if he just could stay healthy, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Because if you put in Jacob Degrom, as crazy as this is going to sound, then you all, then you start to you can put you could justify a lot of different guys then. Yeah, yeah. Then you're really opening up a huge can of worms, and I don't think you want to open up that one. So, yeah. <laughs> Anything? What? Let me ask you this to to wrap up our conversation. Do you think? What do you think is the biggest story that will come out of? Um, the winter meetings. Will it be Otani goes somewhere, or will that kind of wait? Because the winter meetings end when Wednesday, Thursday at the latest. Yeah, I think so. It's only about three, four days. So yeah. So let's say if it ends Wednesday, I think by then, I think we're going to see. I still think a lot of these guys, the free agents, are waiting for Otani. Not that they're going to match his numbers, obviously, but I just think they're waiting on him. You know. Yamamoto is just going to start to visit teams or they're going to visit him one or the other this week. So we're not going to see him signed either. I don't know if a big free agent is going to be signed, but I think another big trade is going to happen. You know, I think we were talking about with Seattle, um, the Braves, you know, maybe the Yankees, maybe the Red Sox. That's what I, I think a big trade who it's going to be. Uh, you mentioned a, a Rosarena. Um, He's definitely going to be the Brewers, maybe getting rid of Adamas or one of their pitchers. Yeah. 
shedding some salary, maybe the raise, like like we were talking about with the Rosa Arena. Yeah, I think a bigger a big trade is more likely than a big signing. Yeah, you know, I'm talking big signing. I'm talking the big name guys. Yeah, I'm talking the second or third tier, we, which we might see. You know, those guys. I don't know if they're waiting for the for the big ones to fall either, but um, but definitely the. I think the the top free agent guys are going to wait until Otani signs. And I think he's going to sign, well, what'd they say? By the end of the week? I could see that happening. By the end of the week, you know, by the time we get yeah, to the, the report was this weekend, it said within a week. I could see that because, you know what, the internet, the teams that are still in it, it's starting to get smaller, right? Because last week Boston stepped out and the Mets. The Mets. So, you know what? Now it's like the Dodgers, the Cubs, Toronto. Yeah. yeah, this is like in poker when you get, you know, the final card. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like do or die all in now. Yeah, and I'm sure he's gotten, you know, the big offers now, right? I'm sure he's yeah. gotten, because I'm sure he's told them, listen, this is what I want. You know, I want to be here for a while, 10 years, blah, blah, 550 million, 600, whatever crazy amount it is. But I'm sure they've exchanged numbers already. So now it's coming down to, okay, where do I really want to play? What's a stable franchise? Um, maybe opt-outs are going to be in the contract too. I don't know. But um, yeah, I could see that happening by the end of the week. But I think by the end of the winter meetings, we'll hear another free uh, another trade. And listen, we can almost guarantee it the way our show goes, right? As soon as we sign off. Yeah, it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> Book it. Otani to the Dodgers tonight. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Also, somewhat big news is uh, tomorrow is the draft lottery for next year's Major League Baseball draft. Um, and then Wednesday is the Rule 5 draft. Okay, so that should be interesting. So, so that'll get some things moving. I know, obviously, because our team's going to make the playoffs, we're in the draft lottery. Um, I think it's just a reverse order are the chances. You get a Obviously, Oakland has a much better chance of getting the top pick than the Red Sox or the Yankees. Yeah. But I think with the luxury tax implications, if I know if the Mets don't get a top six pick or a top eight pick, their pick drops like five or 10 spots because they went so far over the cap. Oh, okay. So they could either get like the seventh pick or they could end up dropping into the middle of the round. So there are some big deals coming up like that. And um, yeah, I know we, I do have on this day in history that you sent me. And do we have trivia? No, I figured we wouldn't have time with all the stuff we're talking about. If you want to. Yeah, get that's it, true. But speaking to... of trades, okay. it did send me a good trade. Um, the one between speaking of Jim Leland, this brings it all full circle. This, on this day in 2007, the Tigers received Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis from the Marlins for six players. Um, the most notable were Andrew Miller and Cameron Maben. I know you sent it to me, but do you even could you even name one of the other four without looking at it? Uh, no, I didn't remember. To be honest, I didn't remember some of those names. Yeah, Mike Rabello. Nope. Burke Badenhop. Nope. Eulogio de la Cruz. <laughs> it sounds like the guy from um, A Bronx Tale. Right. <laughs> Elogio. 
And Dallas Traherm. Nope. Just I just remembered it too, right? Maven and Miller. Yeah, Maven and Miller. And Miller went on to – I mean, Maven had a good career too, but Miller went on to be a really good pitcher. But with their time in Detroit, Cabrera alone had a 48 war. All six others combined with, with the Marlins had a four war. Yeah, Mike Rabello in 2008 with the Marlins batted 202 with three home runs and 10 RBIs. Yeah, they had a combined 18 home runs and 23 wins. So if you put together the home runs and the wins from all six of those players with the Marlins, Miguel Cabrera has more wins above replacement than they do home runs and wins. So it was kind of a one-sided deal. Yeah, Dallas Trahair never played in the majors. Uh, Rebello, I said the one he only had a couple of seasons in Detroit, and then that one season. After For some that, reason, I think Burke Badenhop pitched Burke. in the big leagues, but Let's see, Burke Baden. Oh yeah, he pitched for a while. Uh, Not great. But... No, no, he was a career. Uh, he was twenty and twenty-seven for his career. And that was the majority of the wins from that trade. Yeah. Four saves. Um, yeah, so that goes back to our point. We say it all the time, especially this time of year. Prospects are just that. I mean, Miller turned out to be a good pitcher. Maven had a solid career. But when you have proven talent, and this goes back to the Soto deal, not saying that the Yankees should do seven for one, but – when you have proven on the field talent like Soto saying no because of a minor league prospect, that's tricky. So I think, like you said, if the Yankees can get it a little lower, a little lower as far as number of prospects that they're sending back, then I think it's a deal, but you know, you'd hate to see for the Yankees that they've missed out on Soto because of one player right so it's just a matter of which combination works yeah and i i keep looking at these guys and two of them didn't even make it to the majors andrew miller didn't turn into something until he left the marlins i think right remember the yeah because he was a starter for a while and then i think he was, it was a, he was a, a really iffy type of starter and then he turned into a lefty specialist with you, right? First, wasn't he? Went didn't he go to Boston first? Yeah, he was with Boston. He was with. I know he was with us for a while. He was really Cleveland. Wasn't he in the trade from you guys to Chicago, or the other way around from Chicago to you guys? We got him. Did we sign him as a free agent? Because I know he was with Boston. He was a good pitcher with us. He was good with you guys. And then I think he pitched in St. Louis and Cleveland. Let me see. Uh, the tight. Oh, that one. Okay, then he went. Oh, who do you think? <laughs> You'll never get this one. Uh, traded by the Marlins to the Red Sox for. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, never heard of this guy. Never heard of him. William O. Pena? No. Dustin Richardson. Yeah, that sounds forgettable. Okay. Now, here's the other big one. Who did, and then you got him, and then you signed him in 
you signed him in December of 2010. Hmm. And then you traded him four years later by Andrew Miller to the Orioles for who? That's an easier one. <laughs> to the Orioles? Yep. He's still pitching. I'll give you a hint. Oh, um, he's a free agent. <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. Yep. Is all the way back then. Yep. How old is Eduardo Rodriguez? He's thirty now. Wow. So he was. Yeah, he was a, a prospect back then. Makes yeah. sense. Wow. So there you go. Um, and then let me see. Yeah, he only pitched for us what one year or two years. He pitched two years. Yeah, it. traded by the Yankees to the Cleveland for Sheffield, Justice Sheffield, Clint Frazier, Ben Heller, and J.P. Fire's son. And he's still pitching, I think, Fire Rises, Fire Rising or whatever his name is. Wasn't he with Tampa? Um, Tampa in 2022, there. he was with Tampa. Yeah, I think he was solid with them, too. And then Frazier is – Yeah, he had a zero ERA. There you go. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. Frazier, we know what happened to him. Or Justice Sheffield. Yeah, I mean, look, this again, it's prospects are a flip of the coin. That's it. That's all they are. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know what? Maybe one day we're going to see one where all four, four guys turn out to be really good players, right? Yeah, look, if guys like Spencer Jones and Drew Thorpe turn into who Yankee scouts think they're going to turn into – yeah, for one year of Soto, yeah, then you could say it was a trade that both teams won. And But what are the chances that all four prospects turn out to be their best versions of themselves in the trade? Yeah, it's so true. And we're, we're going to find out whether it's the Yankees, a bunch of farm, you know, farm guys, or is it going to be the Blue Jays or – some other team, but someone's going to get Soto and they're going to give up, you know, four or five players, probably maybe six. And we'll see how it turns out. Um, but what I think is going to happen, I think the Yankees are going to get Soto. And I think it's going to be because they take on a contract on top of Grisham. Oh, and Cronenworth, you think? I think they take Soto, Grisham, Cronenworth, and then you give up less prospects but you get it done. And then you flip Cronenworth or Grisham with uh, another trade later in the offseason. Yeah. Like you you do this move and then you move Torres and you include Grisham in the Torres trade. And I think Grisham only has one year left. Yeah, and he was, I mean, I think he had like a two war. Which, yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. He's not old either. He's 27. He's got one more year of arbitration. If he's your fourth outfielder, fine. Right, exactly. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah. If he's your starting center fielder, yeah, I'm gonna have mm. a problem with that. <laughs> you yeah. know. But yeah, if he's a fourth guy, I'll take that. If if it gets the job done, you know, if it gets this deal done, I could take him on. You know, maybe they'll take Pereira. So now Grisham becomes that fourth outfielder. Um, um, and if you take on Cronenworth, then that means they'll probably take Peraza, right? So you and then they'll probably, probably just want one of the pitchers. Yeah, at, at least the no, they'll still want at least two pitchers. Yeah, 
probably Thorpe and either either uh, Schmidt or King. Um, so yeah, but it's going to get done. Yeah, I think it's going to get done. I would think at least if you're taking back two of those guys, then it becomes a four or five player deal instead of a seven player deal. Yeah, and I would be I would be okay with that because. I could, you know what? You could still utilize these players that you're getting. It's not like yeah. you're getting junk back. I mean, I'm, I don't right. think either one is great, but Cronenworth is. They're not great, not- but like you said, one is almost done with their contract. The other one has shown flashes, can play multiple positions. And at the end of the day, you're getting the best player in the deal. Yeah. And so, so. still in arbitration. So he's not making that much. Right. It's Cronenworth that's the one that's probably the. Yeah. You know, 30, I think he's 30 years old now, and he's got, what, five years left on his deal? He's got one. Yeah, he's basically like DJ. Yeah, he just signed a seven-year deal last year. Yeah, so he's got five or six years left, so. And he's making, yeah. he signed a seven. I think he's making 10 a year. Yeah, and that's, listen, is that a lot of money? I don't think so, <laughs> right? When you think, when it comes down to it, it's really not for a, a utility player. No, that's like that's basically um Otani's agent's money. Right. So you know really 10% of Otani's contract. Yeah. You know what we're Crazy. doing? It's like adding another uh, DJ. A left-handed, yeah. right? A guy who's gonna yeah. maybe not as good as a hitter, but could play first, could play third, second, maybe the outfield, a little younger, you know. I think but I think nine out of the 10 Yankee fans will and should be happy if you guys get Soto and you don't give up seven players. Yeah. I I would be, yeah, four guys, five guys. Um, I'm, and I'm find totally, a way to get it done. Yeah. You know what? If All right, we'll take Cronenworth back, but we're not going to give you Thorpe or we're not going to give you right. one of those other guys, you know? And I think that's fair. I And at some point, the Yankees got to say, listen, you got to let us know because, you know, we don't want to lose out on Bellinger or who's someone else. You know what I mean? So yep. it's got to get done. Um, so that's a, here. All right. Let's, let's go hot take. Let's say the Soto deal gets done by the end of this week. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know where. Yeah, but. no, I mean, <laughs> you think it's going to get done this week? I think so, because I think eventually teams are going to be like, okay, I want to, you know, we want to, yeah, get no, that's, you know, that's a, that's a warm take. Yeah. And I think also, too, that's what happens with Otani because for a bigger reason with Otani, because Otani yes. is so much money involved. So yeah. even if you're the Dodgers or the or whatever the big market teams, that's still 50 to 60 million dollars. And I also I also wonder with Otani, do you you want to get it done sooner than later, not only because of the money and the years, but also you want to set up the advertising. Oh yeah. For next year. From a business side, absolutely. From the business side, you want to set up the sponsorships as quick as you can. Yep. And I think the league themselves want to get this straightened out. You know, with all their problems that we didn't even get into with um, with the TV contracts and everything else, I think they would love to get their marquee player in a marquee city right away so they know. Like, wouldn't it be great for Otani to be in L.A.? or New York or Boston, you know, like right away, like let's know Chicago. So we know how we're going to promote him because that's the guy you got to promote. Yeah. 
So the league is probably like, okay, guys, let's uh, speed this up, you know? Exactly. <laughs> let's get those billboards ready. So from a business standpoint, there's so many other uh, entities or whatever that are, you know, involved in this that have to know where they're going or what they're doing. So, yeah, that that's a great point, you know, to for the marketing aspect, because that touches everything. That touches the whole league, you know? Yep. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about next week. We'll talk about the end of the winter meetings. Like I said, the um, Rule Five Draft, the Draft Lottery. We'll let you know where our teams are picking for next year's draft. Hopefully, we're not looking ahead too far because that means next season was the wash. If you're looking at the draft, um, but the the main thing is we're. Otani and Yamamoto and all the big free agents go but until then this was episode 126 of Talking Rivals you can find us on Twitter or X at Talking Rivals Chris is at CP7NY I'm at Patrick Trotty uh, you can also follow Sportswire Radio uh, at Sportswire Radio on Twitter or X follow Thomas Bryce at Thomas Bryce 2017 and also check out the new website, sportswire with a Z, radio.org, um, for all the other good shows, including ours. So give us a follow or a listen or a like. We appreciate it. And um, till next week, um, thanks for listening. See you next week.